HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello, Greenhorns Radio here on Thursday, 2 o'clock, and this is Severin. I'm your hostess today, um, every week, for Young Farmers by Young Farmers. I am gladly sponsored today, as always, on Heritage Radio Network by Hearst Family Ranch, grass-fed beef out in California, available nationwide. I am joined today on the phone by Ambika. Ambika, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello. Hey. <laughs> So Ambika is um, a young farmer, and she comes to us from the Hudson Valley as well. I know her through our awesome young farmer community in the Hudson Valley. Um, Ambika, can you introduce us? Um, can you introduce yourself and tell us um, where you come from? Sure. Um, I am currently uh, renting a little vintage creamery in. Uh, Hyde Park, New York, where I am starting up a uh, small uh, fiber spinning co-op doing Friendly First. And um, I'm originally from Australia and have been in New York for about the past 10 years. And tell us, if you wouldn't mind, please, Ambika, what was your previous um, occupation? Uh, For the past 10 years or so, I've been living in New York City uh, making crochet bikinis which uh, got started uh, by being a photographer in the fashion industry and realizing my calling was uh, to crochet instead. <laughs> so, so, so what you're proposing to do now is slightly different from what you were doing, but it does seem to be still in the same vein with textiles. Um, tell, yeah. us, tell us where you, want it, where you want to take that business. Well, I had been doing crochet bikinis and I really enjoyed the fiber aspect and the crocheting aspect. I had a small women's co-op making everything in upstate New York, Um, but things were still being imported, like everything was being imported from Brazil and I really, I wanted to get back to more of like a local community system, like from the fiber source. And I had started working with uh, Angora rabbit fiber and had some of my own bunnies and started playing with it with the fiber um, about six or seven years ago. And uh, little by little, started getting a lot more interested in that because I could be producing from my rabbit here in New York, send it out for, you know, to hand spinners, get it back in, have it hand crocheted, and have it completely local and you know, be supporting a, a community of women who work from their homes. Now, um, so I know, but I don't think our radio listeners know exactly what kind of bikinis you're talking about. Um, 
like the caliber and um, price point are are were very surprising when I first learned. Would you would you go into like this amazing success story that your that your bikini business was and and yes. will get be, be again? <laughs> well, yeah, it was very very cool experience. It kind of took hold of me. Um, I started crocheting on the downtime of sets, uh, doing photography, assisting photographers in Manhattan. And um, little by little, people started getting more and more interested in, in these hand crochet bikinis that I was doing. And uh, the company grew um, into, you know, massive press, like the cover of Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. And my bikinis were selling for like $250, $300 and uh, had a store in Manhattan and all from starting to crochet on my downtime. So it was kind of a whirlwind experience, but very, very cool and fun. And now I hope to, you know, be bringing that side of it back along with the Friendly Fur idea, but more in a a sustainable way, getting organic cotton uh, yarns made and, um, you know, being more local and conscious. And do you see, um, as an entrepreneur, do you see an adequate marketplace in the fashion world for sustainably produced textiles? Do you see the demand there? Definitely. Um, you know, I was just looking, you know, at my competition and kind of stores and what people are buying. And, you know, a lot of people are, are conscious in terms of the handmade quality. Um, like Saks was selling hats for like $375 just for, you know, a hand crocheted little cap. Um, and so I think, you know, people are getting very conscious on, on, on things being handmade and more and more conscious on things being um, local and sustainable and good for the environment. And, you know, as the awareness is, is rising, you know, so are people's purchasing uh, capabilities. So they're, you know, they're definitely looking for products like this. And, you know, people are willing to spend because they know what goes into making it. They know that they're helping, you know, the earth and, um So a lot of us who are starting up um, our new farm businesses, myself included, are focusing on the high-value crops, um, herbs, flowers, fresh fruits and vegetables, um, and in in my case, you know, rare, the rarer varieties, um, because that's basically the most bang for your buck. If you, you know, you're starting out a farm business and you have to capitalize and build infrastructure and cages and fences and coops and whatever else, um, you're going to try and, and with the least amount of um, capital input, get the most amount of um, crop value. And sometimes we overlook the opportunities in fiber production. Tell me, um, if you can, what you've learned in your research about fiber production on a, a small scale. Um, well, there's a lot to it. I'm concentrating on Angora rabbit. Um, for a lot of different reasons. I mean, there's uh, what's very popular right now is cashmere, alpaca, um, a lot of the larger breed like uh, angora goats, which produce mohair. There's a lot of um, focus on these larger breed animals, but I think rabbits are one of the animals that are not used very often, which is shocking to me because they require very little space. They um, have so many byproducts, meaning like, you can have you can produce fishing worms, worm castings. Uh, they, you can use their manure hot, so it produces a, a product for the vegetable growers uh, called like black gold, which they can just use the manure right away. 
there's no processing. So there's like a lot of interesting uh, possibilities with rabbits, and uh, so that's what I'm focusing on. And with these Angora rabbits, their fur can be up to 16 inches long, uh, which when spun creates this amazing uh, fur-looking product that's 800% warmer than sheep's wool. So, you know, it's, I think it's a good place to focus on is, is with these rabbits. Well, and plus they reproduce so, so effectively. Right. I mean, you're getting a litter every six weeks or two months. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they require very little space. They're very easy to care for, um, you know, minimal brushing and... They, t- they really look after themselves in a lot of ways. They don't require a lot of um, medical, you know, vaccinations or anything like that. So they're really a great, um, a great product to grow. So now your, your method of um, using this textile, let's get into this because I am raising rabbits for meat and I'm skinning the rabbits and then tanning the fleeces and actually I'm soaking um, four pelts right now in the sink um, to tan. And but you're not killing the rabbits. Explain how that works, please. Right. Well, I think you know. I think there's two things when I, you know when you look up friendly fur and and products like that online. There's two products that come up. One is a product which is a byproduct of um, you know already uh, a byproduct of already existing culling. Like so, to, like if you're growing rabbits for meat, just like what you're doing, and then you're using the hides that come from that, which I think is a great and viable cause as well in terms of the fur industry and how horrendous it can be. Um, and what I'm doing is um, using rabbit fiber. So I'm shearing them like a sheep or some breeds you can actually pluck. They malt, and you can pluck the fur when they're malting. And neither one of these hurts the animal in any way. So it's completely, you know, fur-friendly fur. <laughs> and, um, and then it's spun into a yarn. And because, you know, the commercial uh, Angora community uh, is, is very, it gets a very bad reputation because what they do is most of it's produced in China, and they shear the rabbits every couple weeks when, they're, when their fibers are very short. So then these are spun into yarns, and nothing holds because the fibers are so short, they just shed. So this is why Angora gets such a, a terrible reputation. Um, and what I'm doing is if you do it every three months when they're supposed to be shorn or plucked, then you're getting these fibers that can be anywhere from four inches and up. And these fibers really hold into a yarn when you're spinning it. So if you're thinking about like a yarn or a string, a twist factor, then these, these fibers come out and half of them stick out. So you have two inches of this amazing halo and it's super warm. It's just like a, a, a fur. Um, so it's a really interesting product. I'm really excited about it. It's thrilling to see you um, occasionally and see the products as they evolve and your um, research as it evolves, how you are um, developing what I hope to wear this winter. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah. glad that you live in my community and are, are producing um, fur for this community. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to share a little um, excerpt um, as we talk about fur farming from a book that I f- my f- was given um, by a friend of mine who lives in England. It's called the Pet and Livestock Series, Modern Fur Farming. And it was published in 1925 um, in Toronto, Canada. And on page 23, I'm going to read you a little excerpt about fur farming and its prospects. 
A career for women. The greater business opportunities open to the girl of today offer her wide scope for the expression of her own individuality. No longer is she limited to a few blind alley jobs, but instead she engages more and more in careers which give her a chance to develop her own particular talents. Every year she is finding fresh spheres for her activities, and by her achievements in a variety of occupations, she has surprised the world. She has probably rather surprised herself. It is not unnatural, however, that very often a woman feels that the somewhat colorless atmosphere of city commerce does not provide the ideal medium for her business ambitions, so she turns to the more unusual occupations, such as dog breeding, market gardening, poultry farming, which give the color, movement, and variety that she needs. Only a few women have yet discovered fur farming, several branches of which are perfectly suited to their capabilities and in which there is no reason why they should not be entirely successful. It, is a, it, is, <laughs> it has a definitely individual note that should appeal to the ambitious girl, and it is not overcrowded. The girl taking up fur farming within the next year or so will have the satisfaction of knowing that she is amongst the leaders of her sex in a growing uh, industry. So I was written in 1925, but I'd say it is um, as true today. Yes. Um, <laughs> I love that <laughs> And Vika, you, you are a very ambitious young woman. Tell us, tell us where you want to see your business in the next five years. Well, I hope we'll be surprising the world and being extremely successful. <laughs> um, but I would really like to um, have my own products. I really, uh, I'm trying to uh, revamp this Vanderbilt Estate uh, farm that I'm living on and, and create a, sw- a spinning co-op and a fiber co-op where I um, take in fiber from, you know, there's tons of 4-H groups and local farms that have a couple hundred rabbits here and there, and, and a lot of them don't even use the fiber. They just throw it out or don't know what to use it for. They show their rabbits. So I want to be collecting fiber, then, then sharing it out to spinners, then bringing it back and sharing it out to crocheters and have a, 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 my own small co-op being very local and, and community-supported. And then I also really would like to, you know, consult with higher-end designers doing, you know, mass products like maybe like Stella McCartney or, you know, people who are very animal-friendly but still love the warmth and the look of fur and to have something that's, you know, completely friendly, you know, could be a big possibility. And uh, the fur industry is just such a horrendous, horrendous industry that I would love to have some impact on that, you know. Um, and how do people get in touch with you if they're listening today and are interested to collaborate or they happen to be a buyer for a very important fashion line? How would they get uh, in I touch have, with you? I have a, a Gmail account set up, which is friendlyfurs, plural, uh, at gmail.com, friendlyfurs at gmail.com. Um, and you can email me there. My website should be coming out uh, this fall. And... Um, I, I guess email is the best way to get a hold of me right now. Cool. And, and so now, for those of you who are interested in fur, um, there are many resources. One particularly um, important one is the uh, county fair, which is going on this weekend in, um, in Rhinebeck. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are county fairs throughout New York State and, indeed, throughout the country. Um, and you can very easily find your local country fair um, in New York, through the New York Department of Ag and, Ag and Markets, um, they have a listing. Um, every individual county will have their own listing, so you can look it up. And that's a really great place 
um, to connect with the, um, especially the small animal community who are not necessarily quite as Internet um, oriented as you might hope. Um, tell us if you wouldn't mind, and because some of the books that you found to be particularly useful. The books? Hmm. Well, I read a lot of uh, obscure, spinning books that I pick up at church fairs and little places like that. Uh, nothing off the off the top of my head, but I do want to I do want to say that uh, anybody that's interested in in uh, fibers uh, in o- October. 18th and 19th, I believe, is the Sheep and Wool Festival here in Rhinebeck, New York. And uh, it's an amazing, amazing place to pick up any information on spinning and crocheting and fibers and animals and every, any possible information you would like, you can find on that. And they have a great website, too. Yeah, there's a, there's, there's a very wonderful one uh, also in Claremont. Uh, I think earlier in the summer, Claremont um, Sheep and Wool mm-hmm. Festival. Um, again, this is a, you know once you fall into this um, the culture of wool and spinning and textile, um, the snowball method is a very good way you know just just absorb like a sponge everything you can and follow up on all the little um, little links and and um, resource pages and you will soon accumulate yourself um, a library of knowledge. I um, I would be happy to. Too. Sorry. If it- I would be happy, too, if anybody wants any information. You know, I have a lot of information over the past 10 years. If anyone wants to email me other than for my products or just information on spinning and crocheting in general, um, I'd be happy to accept emails from, for that That's as well. That's very kind. Another point is that Ambika will be here live and in person at Smithereen Farm this weekend. Um, we have a schedule of workshops um, on Sunday as part of our larger two-day-long uh, extravaganza known as Watermelon Moonshine. It's a camp-out, farm-out, eat-out, um, educational, celebrational uh, event with a barbecue. Um, we have, we're, we're reloading the goat's bit, and we're, now we're going to be cooking Muscovy ducks and whatever other carcasses we can get our hands on. Um, we'll be drinking by the light of the moon and dancing. Uh, to the Rude Mechanical Orchestra. We will enjoy workshops on spinning, seed saving, beekeeping, and a few other things. Um, for more information, please email the Greenhorns with an S, thegreenhorns at gmail.com. Um, it is an RSVP event, but um, we hope you can join us. Um, and Bika, I'm so thrilled. Is there any last parting words you have for us? Um, yes, I just I want to say to anybody interested in fur at all or knows people who are interested in it that, you know, it's really important to buy fur that is either processed like you're processing your fur as a byproduct of, you know, your meat rabbits and um, you're using the brains for tanning because a lot of like faux fur, that even faux fur that people are buying, you know, it uses like gallons of petroleum to produce and a lot of chemicals are produced. Um, you know, so I think that it's really important if you are interested in fur to be buying from something like you're doing, Severin, or from a hand-spun product like I'm doing. And um, yeah, that's if really you important. Any, uh, encouragement along that way of thinking. Um, PETA has done a wonderful job of collecting a um, a veritable 
battery of um, YouTube video footage of the horror of fur farming. So if you need to get yourself radicalized um, on this issue, it's quite easy with a few clicks of the mouse to do so. And Bika, thank you so much for joining us. I cannot wait to um, see the next round of products and to take your workshop um, and participate in some spinning um, this weekend. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me on, and see you on uh, Sunday, the party. Yay. Thank <laughs> you, thank you all for listening. This has been Greenhorn Radio by Young Farmers for Young Farmers. I'm your host, Severin. Join us next week. <laughs>